but I'm going to do a little something out of the ordinary here. The Word said to, you know, if you're going to, when you have a believer's meeting and you're all praying in tongues and someone comes in who, who is untrained, doesn't know, uh, you know, won't they think you're crazy? Didn't say they'd be afraid, but said they, well, what's going on here? These people are crazy. And so the, the, I feel led to stretch my hand out to y'all and pray, pray a word in tongues over y'all. And Now, understand that that is, you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You ask Jesus to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. John said the Holy, Jesus was going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, and then, you, you know, you, 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 you pray in other tongues, and that is a, that is a, a heavenly language. That is a, 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 a communication between you and God. Your mind does not know what you are praying, but you, the Word said you are speaking mysteries. <laughs> You're talking secrets with God. Amen? Amen. So let's see the key around see. All over these, Lord, you love. I see, I saw God's Spirit pouring down on you like rain, all of you. A soft rain. <laughs> How you love your people, Jesus. How you love them. How you pour out on them. You led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. <laughs> All over them, Father. Blessing, Lord God. Your blessing upon them, Father. A father's blessing on his children. Don't be afraid. Some of you need to hear this. Don't be afraid. <laughs> I am with you. And I have anointed you. God has anointed you. And when he anoints you, you don't have to walk in your own ability and your own strength. You walk in his ability and his strength when you cooperate with the anointing that he has anointed you with. It is a covering over your life. And you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid of Things that come against your job and your finances and, and that come against your family and come against you. Yeah, Jesus said you'll have trials and that you'll have trouble in the world. But I have overcome the world. The one who lives in you has already overcome it. And everywhere you step, you walk in victory. It doesn't mean you won't have troubles. But pouring over you at all times is the mighty Holy Ghost. Because the word said in the latter days, I'll pour out my spirit upon my maidservants and upon my maidservants. And your sons and daughters will prophesy. The Holy Spirit lives in you, but he is also raining down on you. So be of good cheer because Jesus has overcome the world. Amen? Walk in it.
Walk in it. Yes. <clears throat> Could you all hear me? Sort of, kind of? Was it quiet? You want me to say it all again? Sorry if you couldn't hear me. Okay, well, you can go back and listen to the recording and just turn it up, crank it, crank it, and then you can hear it, okay? Because I'm not, I don't know exactly what I said, all I said, you know. When you're speaking out a, a word of prophecy, you may not remember what you said. So people might come up afterwards and say, what'd you say? And you're like, I can give you the gist, I maybe, but I, you know. Okay. Turn with me over in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 13. Thank you, Becky. Okay, my goal this morning is to not go over 12 o'clock. I make no promises, but just know that's my goal. Still still too quiet. Bill, could you turn up the uh, uh, my microphone just a little bit? Still a little quiet. I am told. <clears throat> Testing, one, two, test. Is that better, a little bit better? A little bit more? Good? Okay. When you're doing a sound check, sometimes you're like, okay, I'm going to turn you up, and the person actually starts talking louder. And so it's, it's, you know, they get back to their regular volume, and it turns out, no, you didn't turn them up enough. One of the frustrations of working up in a sound booth, right, Bill? Yes. Title of today's message is What to Do in These Times. We live in hard times, right? No doubt. So what do we do in times like these? What's the solution? Well, you're right about that. <laughs> you're right about that. You're right about that. So it's like what and people and there's there's people all around. They're like, what what is the solution? What is the what will the answer be? Right? You've talked you've, if you've talked to coworkers or whoever, you know, and their their family members they're in fear, and they don't maybe they maybe they know the Lord, maybe they're just not very close to Him, and it's very common for for even believers to be that way. What's the solution? I don't know. I don't know. I see all these things happening around us and. You know, I was listening to a message last night from uh, Pastor Hagen up in, in Raymond. You know, we just, me and Tammy said, let's, let's listen to a message from Pastor Hagen, you know, and he was talking about hard times. This was after I, I wrote all this, you know. But he said, you know, he said, the, and hard times about these times specifically. And he said, he said, some Christians are like, well, we don't know. You know, he said, other Christians are like, well, I think I'll just, we'll just stick our head in a hole and say, praise God, I'm just going to write it out until just, you know, we'll just try to make it, just try to survive, right? Well, that's not what God said to do. It's not. So he said, what is the answer? What People out there, and then, and then the unsaved too. What do we do? What's the answer? And, then, and, and some of you in here have told me that even atheist people that you know have come and said, will you pray for me? <laughs> Why? Because you may have a solution, right? But the answer that I have for you here on what to do in these times has more than one component. Prayer is certainly a part of it. But uh, I'm not, that's not the subject just right now. I mean, it's certainly included in this lifestyle. But uh, the answer has more than one component, what I'm going to give you. Just like an engine has more than one component. They work together. Okay. First part of the answer is to remind yourself of who your God is. Remind yourself continually, not just a, who, who your God is. That's what this remember your first love is about up here. Remind yourself who your God is. Look at Hebrews 13. It says uh, in, in verse 5, and I'm going to read this out of the NLT for you. It says, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Now, uh, something about uh, a belief. You know, because... Uh, Ultimately, you know, people all believe in something. Even atheists believe. They just, what they believe is in, is in nothing. Okay? What they, they believe in nothing. You know, I believe it. 
There's nothing. Okay. Well, now, and so we have to guard ourselves against those two little words, what if. Because if I choose to believe, what if does not come in. Many dreams, ministries, um, things have been laid by the wayside because people asked what if. And so it, it just it never gains any traction. They just it just just it just kind of dies unborn, you know. And so, so dreams that God has put in our heart, things that He has for us to do. It's easy to look at the time. And, well, how can that be possible? How can that possibly have? How can how can you possibly start a business in this economy? How can you possibly plan for a missions trip or plan for whatever when you can't? And so what if flies in the face of a belief? Because if you say, God told me to do this and I believe, you don't have to have all the details and you don't have to know all of the, the you don't have to know the outcome to say, I, I've chosen to believe and God said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. That's why you can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. He helps me. He helps me. So I'll have no fear, you know. God is, and so understand, you're here too, because I'm going to say, I said, remind yourself of who your God is. God is not affected by what happens in the earth. He is unaffected by the world events. He is unaffected by the economy. He is unaffected by uh, plans of Satan. He is unaffected by these things. He stands immune to it. Okay, and he, when you pray, reaches into this world and changes things. Okay, he he, he wants us to make requests, you know, because lots of people are like, well, if God can do something, he should. Well, he told you to pray and ask him to do something. And I won't get into all the legal ground of, of you know, Satan being the god of this world and all that stuff. He's not little, little G, right? He's not more powerful than God. He 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 conned. <laughs> he conned Adam, Adam of his, out of his authority that God had delegated to Adam. So he's operating in authority that has been pilfered, if you will, and his time is coming to an end. But because of that, I, I said I wouldn't get into it, but, but here I am just getting into it anyway. But, he, but, but, but because of that, God says, you, tell, you, you ask me, and then I will do it. Okay? If you, because John said, if, in First John, I think it was, if we know that if we ask in line with God's will, he hears us. So get in here and find out what his will is and ask him in line with his will. And then believe and don't say what if. Don't say what if. Just believe. Just believe. Amen. Okay, so that's the first part of the answer is remind yourself of who your God is. God is your helper. An ever-present help in time of need, as the word said. Therefore, brethren, let us come boldly before the throne of grace to receive grace and mercy to help in time of need. Are you in a time of need? Come boldly before the throne. Believe that you receive. Ask, ask. Hebrews. Therefore, let us come boldly. I can't tell you the, the exact address, but it's Hebrews 4. One of the, I guess I should have written that down. I'm sorry. Hebrews chapter 4, I think. But if you go on your phone and you type in, you go online and you type in Bible, and then you type in, let us come boldly to the, and then I guarantee you it'll come up and you can, you can find it, okay? Now, I think it's interesting here that God said, uh, don't worry about money. See, because you, you, could, you, could, you could lift this verse out. Um, you could, you could, this, this verse, the part, first part of verse 5, don't love money, be satisfied with what you have, for God has said. You could lift that out and you could just read, God said, I'll never fail you, I'll never abandon you. But there's a reason that God links these two thoughts together. Don't, don't, don't trust in money. James said that in, in uh, James chapter 5. Tell the rich of this world, the rich, of, in, in, he, he, he said, I, I, he told, uh, he told, he said, bring all the rich people into the house, all the rich people who believe in Jesus, because there are wealthy people who believe in Jesus, nothing wrong with that. But he said, tell them not to trust in their money, which is so un." reliable, unstable, and instead trust in God. He said, I'm telling you to transfer your trust 
from your earthly resources and place it on God. He's not saying to get rid of it all. He's simply saying, trust in God instead. And so you know that if, if I'm, if I'm going to tell you to do that, I have to give you a lot of reasons to trust in, to transfer your trust to God. Right? I have to give you some reasons to do that. But God gives you some reasons right here. Because I will never fail you. He's not, he, didn't, he didn't even say here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to provide, and he, he will, because he got other places he did. But he said, I'll never fail you. So that's a different way of looking at that. Because it's like, well, if I'm not to trust in my money, God tells me, don't, don't love money, don't trust in money. And actually, the, in the New King James says, don't, don't covet money. And, and so specifically, don't want what other people have, right? But he's saying, he's saying uh, God is saying, don't trust in this. Because I will never fail you. Because I will never abandon you. He, we sang that. We, but we, we sang that over and over and over again last week. You're my portion, God. You're my portion. You're my portion. You're my portion. He is your, and that just means He is your source. Regardless of the times. Hebrews four sixteen. Let us come, come boldly. <laughs> and it's a time of need right now. So, when God tells us not to covet, because coveting is, some, is, is fervently desiring something another, other, another person has, and it's not always born out of just wanting what they have just because you think it's shiny and you like it. Sometimes it's because I need this and I can see that this person has that. Why don't I have that? But let God work out what you need because sometimes what you think you need isn't really what you need. But now, now so he's saying don't covet because I'll never fail you. I know what you need. I'll never abandon you. You know, and see, when God tells us not to covet, that is tied to humility, being humble. You say, well, how'd you make that connection, Pastor Phil? Well, because prideful people feel like they are entitled to what other people have, even if it's something that they feel is justified. Even if they have not, see, an uh, extremely poor, destitute person can be prideful, just like a rich person can be prideful. Prideful crosses the boundaries of economics. So, because there's a sense of entitlement that goes along with pride, okay? In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus uh, is invited to, uh, for a Sabbath meal over at the house of a Pharisee. Yeah. You know, most people think that Jesus was always arguing with the Pharisees, and that's not the case. The Pharisees like, will you come over for Sabbath and Jesus said, "Okay." So they're all, they're sitting down eating together. And you could you could read it's a let's let's a <laughs> it's a very eventful meal. A whole lot happens at this at this, and we're not going to read all of it, but let's read a part of it. I'm going to take you over to Luke 14. A whole lot of stuff happens there, and you might just want to read it for your own education slash amusement, because some of the stuff that happens there, Jesus is talking about serious things. But anyway, over here. On Luke four, in Luke fourteen, look at verse seven. This is the, Jesus. The, the 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 banquet's already been going on for a while. Okay, it's already been, and it's a Sabbath meal. There's different kinds of banquets, different kinds of feasts, different kinds of gatherings to eat. Right? We all know that. Um, if someone's ever invited you over for a brunch, and you're like, "What's a brunch?" You know what what it, what type what type of gathering is this? Right? Well, this is a gathering for the Sabbath. Okay. Verse 7, when Jesus, oh wait, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch over and read this out of the New King James, excuse me, <coughs> as I switch out. It's okay, I can find it quick. That's a declaration of faith. I can find it quick. Okay, Luke 14, verse 7. It says, so he, he Jesus, told a parable to those who were invited when he, saw, when he noted how they chose the best places, say, the best places where around the table, 
They wanted to get the seat of honor. There was a seat. There was a seating arrangement. And you, if you go to a fancy dinner party these days, there's going to be a seating arrangement, right? And uh, in this in this particular case, this is a Pharisee's house. You have the type of meal. You have a seating arrangement. And Jesus is watching these people come in and go try to take the good seats, the best seats up toward the head where the the host is sitting, right? And so he said, when he he told a parable to those who were invited, when he noted how they chose the best places, saying to them, when you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, he's talking about a different kind of feast now. Okay, that's take note of that. When you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit in the best place, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. I think there's something in that statement that just kind of pricks at the flesh, because Jesus is like, there's people who are more honorable than you are. Right? You know, and so it's like, and, and, and you know, I mean, even if you already, even if we already knew that, sometimes our flesh is like, ow. Jesus. Okay? Lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him, bo- both people, the, honor, the more honorable person and the host come to you, is what he's saying. And he who invited you and him come and say to you, give place to this man, and then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. You got to get up and now walk while everyone's watching you now to the lowest place and sit down. Unless, of course, you just keep walking out the door. <laughs> okay. So verse 10, he says, but when you, you are invited, go and sit down in the lowest place so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, go up higher. And he didn't say go up to the highest place. Go up higher. In other words, be satisfied with where God wants to elevate you to because there's a, there's, a, there's a purpose and a reason behind it. It's like, well, maybe God only moved me up to the middle of the table, but maybe it's not because it's about me. Maybe it's about the person sitting next to me that I need to talk to about Jesus. Amen? So, friend, go up higher. Now, that last part says, then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. There's that humility thing I brought up again because these things are tied. All right, now, did you ever go to a wedding? And afterward, when you, got, when you went to the reception, you're invited to a wedding after you get there, and you're really not quite sure where to sit. Have you ever, has that ever happened to any of you? Right, because unless you're like, a part of the wedding party or you're somebody who is like really close to the family you know, you walk in and you're like I don't I'm not sure where to sit maybe I'll just kind of hang out here over by the soda machine and see where everybody else is sitting before I before I find my seat right and so um I remember one time uh, I was like I must have been 12 or so and uh, one of my cousins I have a lot of cousins a lot of cousins we were invited to her wedding and uh, she was quite a bit older than me. I think maybe ten years or so older than me, or you know. And uh, and so we we get in there, and I remember I remember walking in, and it's like, and I'm like, I'm walking to the. Sometimes you wonder why you're like I should have been old enough to know better, but I'm like walking to the, walking to the 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 wedding party's table, right? And my mom's like, "Where are you going?" I'm like, "Go sit down." And she's like, "No, that's not our place." <laughs> and I'm like. We're blood, you know. It's like, well, th- that should be our place. And I remember I had, it's like, it was like, oh, okay. And so that was at least a quiet lesson. It's like, what are you doing? No, we got we to gotta come and sit over here. And, and, I, and I remember thinking, this is, our, this is our table? Why are we so far away? And who are those people over there? They're not even related. You know, why, why is their table closer? Lessons you learn as a child, right? But Jesus' advice is to, Humble yourself. When you go, when you're invited, take the lowest place. Take the lowest place. The lowest place you can find because maybe there's a a couple other people in there who have already heeded Jesus' (laughs) advice and they've already taken the lowest place and you're like, oh, hey, I'll just sit over here in the third lowest place because you guys are already already here. And so it's like humble yourself 
and as a result, be exalted. As a result, be exalted. Exalt means to raise someone to a higher rank or a more powerful position, uh, greater influence. And again, what's the purpose of the influence? Well, God's got his purpose. It's not so that I can be like, look at me, look at me. Because people who do that get themselves in trouble too. Um, one thing about this parable should tell you, or, or one thing that I want you to see in it that, that God wants for you that you may not have seen, that took me a while to see, is that God wants to exalt you. Jesus just gave us instructions about how to get exalted. If he didn't want you to be exalted, he wouldn't have told you how. But what's the purpose behind him wanting you to be exalted? That's the question you have to ask. But he's te- he wants to do that. He wants to elevate you. He wants to raise you up to a more honorable position, a more influential position, a more, and it's within your, within your job, within your family, within your social circle, whatever it is. But if you humble yourself and he exalts you, it might not be the better place that you thought he would exalt you to. Like I said earlier, he might, he might just move you up one chair. Now, you can see how someone might take offense of that. I came in, I saw that there were two people already sitting in the lowest place, so I took the third lowest place, and the host comes over and says, here, move one chair over. So be like, why would you even bother to come talk to me? It's one chair. And see, therein might be a, a, a bit of testing. God might say, I want you to know what's in your heart, so I'm going to move you up one chair before I move you up seven because I want you to stay humble. <laughs> Amen. Now, the qualifier remains. The cost of staying in a higher position is staying humble. I'm going to say that again. And you might, if you're taking notes, you might want to write that one down. The cost of staying in a higher position is staying humble. Because the qualifier, because he didn't say, it's not a one-time thing, right? He says, he says uh, those who humble themselves will be exalted. Those who, ex- who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those, you know, and so that's a, that's, a, that's a qualifier that's always in play. And so if I get moved up to a higher position and then I immediately become prideful and I want to exalt my, and, and, and exert my lorded over the people who are now lower than me, Guess what's going to happen? Now I'm going to get humbled. And the word said, humble yourself. You don't want God to humble you. That is not a good experience. I've been there. That hurts. And so I've never said, I've learned to say, God, uh, you know, God humble me. I don't ask him that. I say, I'm humbling myself now. Because I would much rather humble myself than have him humble me. Okay? Kind of the same thing how the word doesn't say to pray for patience. The word doesn't say that. Don't do that. The word said, let patience have its perfect work. Let, in other words, patience is already trying to work in you. Just let it do, let it have its perfect work. Just let it. Don't, don't, don't go to God and say, Lord, I want you to humble me and I want you to make me patient. That's a recipe for a disaster. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Amen. Okay, now we're still talking about what we should do in these times, by the way. So a better position from God, a better position from God will include provision for that position. He's not going to set you up to a higher position and then not give you what you need in order to stay in that position. Okay. But the qualifier of humility remains, always. I've seen people with a better position begin to grow prideful. I've seen it. They begin because it's a slow progression, right? They begin because at first it seems like, well, I took one step this direction, I seem okay. So I'm just walking, walking to the edge of the cliff. So they, they begin to treat the people working under them poorly. And it's only a matter of time if they keep doing that, that their position is given to somebody else because, because it's a, what is it? It's a, it's a transfer, right? He's, Jesus said, don't go in and take the best place because what will happen? That place will be taken from you and given to another. 
I had a crash course in staying humble after I stepped into a worship leading position back in California. I, I, I literally, there was no one else to take it. And uh, the worship leader stepped down. He moved out, and it, I was already the built-in backup guy, so guess what? Everyone just kind of expected me to do it, and I, I honestly expected to do, it too, to, to do it too. As soon as he made the announcement that he was stepping down, I was, I, there was no doubt in my mind that I'm supposed to be stepping in and doing this. I think that I was humbled enough that at the time that if the pastor had come and said, hey, you know, maybe you're not supposed to do this, maybe somebody else should, I, 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 I would have said, oh, okay, I, I, you know, because I just kind of, it's a wide-eyed like, oh, all right, this is what I, okay, there's no one else, so this is what I'm doing. Shortly after that, another guy came who was also uh, proficient in worship leading, and he would, worship, he would lead worship on Saturday, Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, and I would lead worship on Sunday mornings. And I guess you could say that leading worship on the Sunday morning not in God's eyes, but in the eyes of people, would probably seem like a more prestigious position. So he's doing more, but I was doing, I held, I held a more prestigious pr- uh, position, from a man's point of view. Okay. Um, and, and so, uh, I, I, I think it was, was it three years, hon, before, before the, the official acknowledgement was made? Because I, I think I led worship for four years, I have a total of four years there. And good experience, there was nothing really bad about it. And uh, so, but anyway, so this other guy was there, and I just kind of was leading, and I wasn't thinking about it, just leading, and uh, think like, like I said, like three years into it, into leading, the pastor one day stood up on a Sunday morning and he said, by the way, everybody, I feel like I need to make an announcement that has been painfully obvious to everyone for the last three years, but I want to make an official announcement that Phil is the worship leader here. And I had been doing it for three years already, you know, but there was a... Uh, I could I could sense that he was having an internal struggle about it. I never really wor- thought about it a whole lot, but but uh, he was having an, and I think that the, I, this is just what I think. I think that the internal struggle was about he was reluctant to name somebody official because he was worried that the other guy would be offended by this whole thing. And that's just kind of what I think was the. But I don't know. But but I had to stay humble because it was like all of a sudden now there's this acknowledgement. You know, and it's like, well, okay, you know, um, and so there was, that was kind of like a crash course because it was like I didn't realize I was I realized I was sitting in the middle of a hornet's nest for three years. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm I didn't know, I didn't know. You know, uh, I mean, every now and then there was something that was like that the other guy was kind of like, well, you know, he would say something here or there that kind of told me he was maybe maybe a little disgruntled from time to time, but I don't think he was the majority of the time. I think he was fine most of the time. But anyway, uh, but it's a it's a tr- it's a it's a it's a transfer. See, because the other guy stepped down, and there was an informal transfer that took place for me to step in and lead. Um, and then, and then a few years down the line, then there was an official acknowledgement of the transfer, because it is a transfer. It's a transferring this position to another. Okay. Turn with me, uh, and, and because, because again, turn with me to Proverbs, but, but as you're turning over there, again, the one who exalts himself, okay, his place then is given to someone who is more honorable. That's the criteria, right? It's not just given to any old person. It's given to someone who is maybe acting more honorably, You know, maybe walking more in line with God's will. So in Proverbs 13, uh, I just want to mention before I read it here, it does not take talent or ability to be honorable. There's different measures of talent, right? Not everybody has the same level of talent, ability. Not everybody has developed their skills uh, to the same degree. But it does not take those things to be honorable. It is honorable to hone the talents that God has given you. But it does not require those to be an honorable person. It takes staying humble and walking in love toward other people. That's honorable in God's sight. Okay? This is why if you follow Jesus in all your ways and in all your thoughts, I can guarantee you that there is a transfer coming your way 
a transfer in some way, shape, or form because there's always going to be people who are not taking their position seriously. And whatever their position is, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about, I mean, uh, whatever, I mean, it could, be, it could be anything under the sun. And it could, it, could in, in, it could involve finances. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it involves just influence. Maybe it involves uh, some type of responsibility or authority or something. Okay, but I just I can guarantee you because this is this is we're going to see this is what's in place that God has put in place is that if you are living living honorably, you know you 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 have taken up your cross you have taken up your cross you've denied yourself and you're following after Jesus at some point there's going to be a transfer or transfers and it's always going to be open. and so God's going to say I'm taking you up to this position now. And you might see someone having to walk away from that position so you can take it. You might not. You might come in and it's already vacant. But somebody was probably already sitting there before. Amen? Okay, so. I can't tell you when it will happen. This is not a thus saith the Lord. This is just me giving you a principle of a promise that I see in the word. Okay? Because it might be a short time might be, uh, oh, we just got to turn a corner. It might be a long haul type of situation. But I can tell you that it is an eventuality. It is an eventuality. A transfer is coming. If you take the low place, if you live honorably, it must come to pass because Jesus said it must he said, if, he didn't say, uh, sometimes this might happen for you. He said, if you're invited, he said, take the lowest place, and if you do, the host will come and say, here, friend, come up higher. Amen. Now, Proverbs 13, verse 22, says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. But the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Who has, this, who has a different translation than the New King James? Does anybody have something different than the New King James that you're holding? You got New King James? Anybody have anything besides? Oh, you've all got New King James? Wow, I have you well trained. I'm just kidding. You can have whatever translation you want to have. What, what you have there, Melina? Spirit-filled translation? What's it say? And just read it one sentence at a time, because I'll repeat it so that the so that it can get on the recording here. Yeah. Yes, it's the it's the same. That's the spirit filled translation. Wow. Becky's got an amplified. Give it to me out of the amplified. Amplified classic or just standard amplified? Okay. A good man leaves an inheritance. Go ahead. Of moral stability and goodness to his children. Children's children, okay. And the wealth of the sinner. Find his way eventually into the hands of the righteous. For whom it was laid up. Eventually. It's an eventuality. <laughs> it's an eventuality. A good person, she said, uh, will a moral, moral stability, will, will give, leave their children an inheritance of moral stability and goodness. And so that's giving you an implication from the Hebrew because that part's in brackets. So that's t- it's, not say, it's not necessarily talking about physical wealth. It is. But it's also talking about moral stability and goodness that what that does is it, it, it teaches, they teach their children integrity, which then furnishes them with a good foundation so that as they walk in the steps of the righteous, then they will also eventually get the wealth of the sinner that was laid, laid up for them. It's all God's money. He can do whatever he wants with it. It's his anyway. It's his anyway. 
He said, everything under heaven's mine. I think that's in Habakkuk. So, this verse in Proverbs 13.22 is not a prophecy about a one-time event that will happen at some point in the future. It's not like one day all the righteous will, will get whatever has been stored up for them all the same day, all at the same time. That's not what it's talking about. It's a promise that produces an eventuality. People in the world would call it a phenomenon. It's a phenomenon. It's something that happens every now and then, but we, can't, we don't know why. We know why. Okay? This happens. This, what we're talking about here, what I'm talking about in this verse, this happens all the time, all over the world. And it always comes about based upon decisions of the people involved in that particular circumstance. Notice again, it's a transfer. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. And they, if, in other words, as long as they're continuing to choose to be wicked and they continue in that lifestyle, eventually there's going to be a transfer. When Jesus said, when you go to a wedding feast and you ta- it, it, don't take the seat in the highest place, because if you do, and you shouldn't be sitting there, eventually the host is going to come along with the person when they arrive, <laughs> the person who's more honorable. So th- you get to sit there for a little while, right? Until, until you know, you're sitting there like, wow, look at the view from here. And then all of a sudden someone's standing next to you and they're like, excuse me, sir. <clears throat> There's a more honorable person here that's supposed to be in this seat. But you got to sit there for a little while. That's what it's talking about. The wealth of the wicked and laid up for the righteous. It's not like God took a bunch of wealth and gave it to the, to the sinner and said, here, give me that back. They had it for a time because they had a chance to be honorable. They had a chance to take the low place and humble themselves before God. Amen? Man, this is good. <laughs> this is good. But again, it's not for the purpose of just getting hold of the wealth. That's not why we're honorable. When, when God puts something, when he transfers something to me, I am to say, what do I do with this, Lord? If, is it to be sown? Is it to be stewarded? Is it to be, is it to be um, uh, built up? Is it to be expanded upon? What is this for? You know, I can't, I can't just, you know, fill my fridge full of, of Reese's and say, wow. Thank you, God, for the blessing. My fridge is now full of Reese's. It's going to be great. You know, did I stop to ask him? Amen. So the righteous, the people who are in a good position with God, that's what righteousness is. Because of the blood of Jesus, you've been washed, you've been made clean, and now you have a good position with God. You have a good standing with him. That's why you can come boldly to the throne of grace. Because of the position you have with him. Because of the righteousness that he gave you. So the righteous who, who maintain that good position with God by walking humbly before their God, by uh, walking in love, they do not receive the transfer of wealth or the higher position because they were after those things. Because, back in Hebrews, God said, do not covet. Because we're talking about a transfer of what something that somebody else has. And so if I'm coveting it, I've disqualified myself. So the people who received that, they didn't receive that because they were after it. Amen? They were interested in in investing in others. How do you know that? Because the verse said, they leave their children, their children's children, an inheritance. In other words, they they are interested in investing in another. I'm going to pour into my children so that my children's children have an inheritance. And it's not just an inheritance of wealth. It's, a, it's an inhe- inheritance of moral stability, of goodness. 
Amen? So they're providing for the future of their children. That's what they were working on when they received the transfer. As a result, God provides them with this transfer of wealth. Keep doing right where you are. Keep doing right when no one's watching. Keep, uh, keep responding properly when a problem arises where you are. Wrath pops up. The word said, a soft answer turns away wrath. You know, don't worry if uh, a boss or co-worker mistreats you. If a family member comes against you, humble yourself and remember who your God is. Because he will not fail you. He is still able to bless and prosper you no matter what the circumstances look like. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. So, he's not affected by the times. He, he already wants to, to bless you. He already wants to exalt you for his own purposes and because he loves you. Because he loves you. I remember one time... Uh, I was ministering at a place, you know, I just got done with worship, and, and the prophet was speaking over a girl. And God was telling you, I will give you this, and I will give you this. Very specific things God was going to put into her hand. And it was powerful. I mean, everybody was like, whoa. And he said, at, at the end of it, he said, because I love you. <laughs> because God is also interested in Investing in the inheritance of his children's children. So, notice two things from this verse in Proverbs and what Jesus and what Jesus said back in Luke fourteen. One, you do not receive those blessings, those specific blessings, because those that's a specific type of blessing. A transfer is a specific type of blessing. If God just gives you something. That's just that, that's that's just a that's just grace, and really, it's all grace. It's all getting something good that you didn't that you didn't deserve. But the point is, is that there's different types of blessings, and that specific type of blessing has specific qualifiers to it. So you do not receive that the, that blessing, the blessing of a transfer, because you chase after it. You do not receive that because you try to do it in your own strength. You do, you do not. Two. You receive the, those types of blessings because God wanted you to have them and because you kept yourself humble and you kept doing the right thing when no one was watching and you kept honoring God. You kept do, that's why the word says everything you do, do it as unto the Lord because that's what makes the difficult job hard. You know, when I'm in a retail store cleaning up some, some little kid's vomit off the floor. And that happened. I have to do it as unto the Lord. Otherwise, I'm sitting there going, I can't believe that man. This is not my job description. This is. But I'm doing it unto, as unto him. It's like, well, Lord, all right, I'll clean that up for you. You cleaned up a lot worse in my life. I'm happy to, happy to clean this up for you. So this promise is for the righteous. How does a person become righteous? Well, in this age, it's by accepting Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. Lord. Lord. Not just friend, not just counselor, not just advisor, not just savior, but Lord. The Bible talks about it in 2 Corinthians 5.22. God made Jesus, who made no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And that makes him our Lord. And this walks hand in hand with the principle of authority. You know, I cannot believe that I'm already 15 minutes over. If you guys want, I can just make this into a series and we'll talk about, we'll conclude it next week. You want to do that? I have a nod in the back row. Okay, I see everyone back there. Yeah, 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 that's, that's good. 
So just consider this, and, uh, and I'll, I will give you, I'll just give you some, I'll just give you a little, little bit of a review next week. How about that? Praise God. I'm okay with that if you're okay with that. Part two. Okay. <laughs> a, a series has been requested, and a series will be granted. All right. Just a part two, part two series. You got to be careful what you say, right? All right. Let me just pray a blessing over you guys. Lord Jesus, I thank you that transfers are coming. And this is not just for our personal enjoyment. This is not because we're so great. It's because you are great. And it's because you have put it in place for your own good purpose, for your own good desire. It is so that people beyond us are affected and that the kingdom expand and that more people be brought into the kingdom because you have given your people greater position and influence, the ability to affect more of this world. And so I ask you, Lord God, through that blessing, to send more laborers into your harvest. Jesus said the, the harvest is already ripe. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send more harvesters into his field, more laborers into his field. And so, Lord God, send more laborers into your field. And we are the laborers. I ask that you'd help us to bring out to the people in the world, to bring out the truth of who you are. Help us to have our words be seasoned with salt, be gracious, to make the gospel attractive so that the people might say, that looks good, I want to taste and see that the Lord is good. And so I, I thank you, Lord, for transfers coming over this crowd here, Lord God. As they walk out your plan for them and they live to please you, there is going to be those transfers that's needed, the things they've been praying for and asking for. It may not come how they think it's going to come, and it may not look like what they think it's going to look like. But still, Father, you can do all things, and it's your desire to bless your people because you said so, because you said so. And I thank you, Lord, and I praise you. I thank you for all of them. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Bless you guys.